Welcome to the Revenue Builders Podcast with John McMahon and John Kaplan. This podcast is brought to you by Force Management. Force's solutions help companies, small teams, and individuals accelerate sales performance. They bring the training together with community, live events, content, and online courses with their new platform, Ascender. Today, a segment with Mark Thurman, a veteran revenue builder. He's currently the COO of Tenable. Here he talks about recruiting people with the three H's, head, heart, and hard work, and the importance of effective enablement. Here we go. And I've always been impressed in how you've been able to simplify the knowledge and the skills that are required so you can go and hire thoroughbred. So I'd like you to talk yep. a little bit about that. I think you call it the three H's. Yep. Like you have, you have a concept called the three H's yep. and then you assume the responsibility as the company to say, look, we have to provide them certain knowledge yep. and skills, but if they have the three H's that make up the character part of the equation, you've yep. been very successful of kind of fighting through that, you know, dilemma of we have to have, people want to talk to people that come from the same backgrounds or what have you. Yeah. Would you speak a little bit to that? Sure. Cause I think it's yeah. a major stumbling block for some leaders. Yeah. And it is. And it's especially a problem in cyber, right? Our customers have the same issues. There's not enough cyber expertise out there, right. To solve some yeah. of these big issues that everyone is wrestling with. But yeah, when, when I look at recruiting and again, we all kind of came up through the same methodologies and we all talk about recruiting and revenue and retention. So we all have the same acronyms, right? Um, but one of the things I do follow from a recruiting perspective and I do three H's, right? It's called the head, the heart and hard work ethic, right? So keep it really simple and basic. And when I recruit, I look for the head, which is obviously the intellect, the intelligence, right? Can they understand the technology? Can they articulate what is going on in a customer environment? And do they really have the intelligence level to be successful selling really complex software. So that's the first thing. And there's a bunch of questions I use to kind of test that. The second thing is the heart, right? And this comes into the passion, the enthusiasm, the energy level, right? The kind of compete that they are going to do everything humanly possible to win. And they're going to be passionate and enthusiastic on every step of the process, right? I don't want anyone that is low energy, that is negative, you know, that is full of drama. I want those folks out of my companies, out of my life. There's no room for that to be running in a successful organization. You can't have that. Right. So you get the head, the heart. And the last one is what I talked about. And I always come back to this. My kids are so sick of it, but it's the hard work. It is the work ethic in the simple, you know, being able to get an understanding of where people came from, their backgrounds, their struggles in life. And I literally asked this interview question. I said, when have you been either outsmarted or you have a person you're competing with in a sport, right? So athletically, they were superior, but you outwork them. Walk me through that. And when I hear folks that can't even articulate how and where that happened, I'm like, have they really been through the struggle? You know, to use a, a, a cap term, have they been through the glass? Like, have they been through a really tough time where they've been able to outwork and out hustle either, you know, their peers or their competition? And so those are the three attributes. And there's a whole bunch of questions that I use to go through that. And then once I have the right candidate, then it is truly upon the company. And again, awesome PTC culture. I have enablement. The function of enablement reports directly into me. And it has reported into me for the last three senior C roles I have had. And so I'm a chief operating officer at Tenable, which is a publicly traded company. And enablement reports into me. And everyone always asks me, why enablement? And I'm like, 
it is honestly maybe the most important function that a company has is to be able to train and enable and make sure that you have the most technically competent sellers and SEs and channel engagement partners and professional services on the planet. And then you want to be able to teach them some of the other skills in regard to being successful things, you know, that force management teaches around command of the message or command of the plan. But being able to have that group trained and enabled where we, I use this term a bit, it's not micromanagement, but the sense of urgency we have around enablement is almost as close to the sense of urgency we have around forecasting, right? I, in my leadership, we look at who's doing the training, have they completed it, how they scored out, and we don't do it to micromanage. We do it because we feel like if you're trained and enabled and you're confident and you're comfortable, you will be an unbelievably successful salesperson and leader. And so I take it as a, a, as a personal uh, mission of mine, because that's kind of, I think, how I was able to be a little bit successful in my career, was being able to take the training, the enablement, and being able to execute and learn new spaces, new industries. And I think it's a huge differentiator. And it's a big differentiator for Tenable. It allows us to recruit and bring people in because they know they're going to get world-class training. Yeah. And in addition to that, you know, your product always changes, the market changes, the competitors change, the messaging changes. And if you're not constantly training your sales force, they're being obsoleted by definition. So I, I don't I really didn't don't understand it when enablement doesn't report to the CRO. It drives yeah. me crazy. Yeah. Me too. I mean, I've seen it a few times, John, like where it's tucked in to sales operations and nothing against sales operations. I love it. My sales ops guy, Vincent Ron is one of the greatest leaders on my team, but I don't want the sales ops leader to drive and dictate and structure training and enablement to my sales force, my partner community, our ecosystem. That to me is one of my biggest responsibilities as a chief operating officer. And I, I take it extremely serious. And yeah, it's uh, something that I get kind of blown away all the time when I'm like, well, how can't you be involved in that every day? you know, uh, is, is kind of blows my mind a little bit, to be honest with you. Right. Cause you I don't train. know what they're, you know, you don't know what they're being trained on hundred percent. Yeah. You lose control. And, and again, if you're in tune with your, your customer base and you're in tune with your partner community, you're in tune with what needs to be modified and simplified and how that messaging and positioning needs to be tweaked and modified. So then you can train the masses. And we've been very busy at Tenable buying and acquiring companies. And so when we buy a new company, we have to have a total new enablement track to be able to take those technologies so our sellers, our RSEs, and our partner community can then be able to go talk about those technologies. And so it's just, it's so critical. It's so important. It's, you know, I make this point all the time when I talk to young up and coming leaders about how serious they need to think about, you know, structuring their enablement program. Yeah. One of the so, things that I love about actually both you guys, because, you know, Mark, I think we saw John, McMahon do this at PTC where he made training a priority. We were getting trained every quarter sure. and it was so incredible. We were, we were by far the best trained uh, selling machine on the planet back in the day. Let me talk about you for a second. One of the things I really love about you is like when, when my company has worked with you, you were always the barometer and because it reported up to you, you always had this barometer of, simplifying and removing obstacles for your team. And I actually think you call it removing the friction. You didn't want to build up any cholesterol for the organization. And it was yeah. on you 
to make sure not somebody else's interpretation, you were responsible for removing the friction. Could you talk a little bit about your, what you mean by that removing the friction? Yeah. And I mean, literally it's, it's funny. I'm just coming out of some QBRs here in, in, in Maryland and was down in Argentina and Brazil last week, visiting customers and doing a bunch of keynote presentations. And when I get my team together and I get the partner community together, the first thing I, I ask, I literally, I say, what friction is in the system that I can help solve? And then I de- decompose that. I say, okay, literally, what is slowing you down Monday through Friday that is preventing you from talking to your customers and your partners and driving higher levels of productivity? Then I break it down to what is happening in sales ops, right? What is happening in the partner ecosystem? What is happening in the messaging and positioning of the technology? What is happening on the product side? So this is one of the areas that I I do tend to spend a lot of time in the weeds. I do tend to spend a lot of time in the details because when you're removing friction, you know, for a, a thousand person plus organization, if you're not living it every day, if you don't understand it, if you don't understand how maybe, you know, you have 15 different fields in Salesforce that don't need to be clicked and it's causing every seller 30 minutes I can't go to my Salesforce administrator and say, hey, I want those, those, those windows locked out. I don't want to be able to have that option. I want to be able to, instead of having 40 different options in Salesforce, I want 14. I want my sellers in front of customers and in front of partners. How do you do that? And so I do spend a huge amount of time. And it is, you know, when I go into a QBR and as we're digging into the business, my, my tagline is what friction is out there and then how can I solve it? And I think that's, you know, again, lessons I've learned through different mentors and different leaders, you know, they're the folks taking action and they're the folks that are improving productivity and improving, you know, the, the experience at the company, you know, for the sellers. Well, you hit on it. Removing obstacles makes your whole sales force a lot more productive. And that's what your job is, is trying to increase productivity of your sales force. So hundred percent, it's, it's critical. Remove the friction. Good advice for this week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the full episode with Mark Thurmond linked in the show notes. Make it a great week.